0: Well, today we're starting a brand new sermon series that we talked to you about a few weeks ago, and we are entitling it, You Asked For It. And basically, you guys have written the narrative, you guys have written the script of what this sermon series is going to be all about. We have, you know, three or four hundred, I think it was, uh, questions that were texted in by you. Uh, different you know the different months or the last I guess the last six weeks or so Matt something like that that have been texted in questions and and things that that are on your heart like things that you want to know about that you want to talk about of how we as followers of Christ can connect our faith to what is happening in our world today how we can kind of put the two together and then we can live out our faith and we've got lots of great responses we got some uh, great questions Great thoughts, obviously. If we were gonna do all of the questions that came in, we'd be doing this for the next, I don't know, two or three years, we're not gonna do that. But we have kind of brought them all together into, uh, basically, there's about 12 different uh, key ideas and key thoughts, and and so we're going to kind of shape those and, and that narrative and kind of talk through some of those. Today, we're going to be talking about how to raise godly kids in a godless world, in a broken world. How, what do we do? I mean, obviously, for those of us in this room who have children, my children are now, you know, they're now adults, and, and some are raising kids on their own right now. Like, like how do we actually kind of make sure that we are pointing our kids in the right direction to run after to follow after Christ. Now, let me just say this right up front. There are some of you sitting in this room that don't have kids. Maybe you're a young person. Maybe you're a student. You're like, I don't have kids. Like, how is this relevant to me? Well, it's relevant to you in a couple of ways. Number one, one day you probably will have kids. And so obviously it's better for you to learn these things before you have kids than wait until after the fact. Uh, or some of you recognize and understand whether you're a young person or whether you're an old person. Uh, there are some people in this room who have raised their kids. Now they're grandparents. and like, hey, I've done my job. It's over. That's your problem. I-, I get it. I understand. But recognize this. And I'm not using the narrative or the idea that like Hillary Clinton did a few years ago, it takes a village to raise a kid. Uh, but in honesty, there is some truth to what she said. Do not quote me. There is some truth, a little bit of truth to what she said, because here's the deal. All of our young people today are looking at us as followers of Jesus Christ as an example of either good or bad. Every single one of us had the opportunity, but not only the opportunity, but the the responsibility to be good models, good examples of what it means to follow Christ. We know that in today's culture, there are so many people who are walking away from the faith, young people walking away from the church. You guys have seen the studies. I'm not going to go back and, and repeat all the different studies that are done. And here is the primary reason that people are walking away from the church. It's one word. And can somebody guess what it is? hypocrisy that people are seeing people like you and me whether we're young or whether we're old whether we're parents or whether we're not and they're seeing people who will act one way and live another and it makes an impact and it makes a difference and so for everyone in the room understand you may be a parent you may not be You may have once been a parent, now you're a grandparent, still a parent, but a grandparent and you think, hey, it's like, I'm not doing that anymore. You still have a responsibility to do this thing right. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about how to deal with fear and anxiety, how to navigate and walk through a a world that, that honestly can scare you to death. And how as we as followers of Christ, according to God's word, how does it help us walk through this idea of living without fear and without anxiety in a world that is so, so treacherous? In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about the Christian's response to the cultural issues like LGBTQ issues, transgender issues. How do we navigate that? How do we respond to that? What do we do? And so this series, we're going to be walking through and talking about a lot of issues, a lot of things that are very important, very relevant, very timely. And so I want you to make sure that if you're in town, be here because we, the Church of Jesus Christ, we have a duty to get these things right. And so today we're going to talk about how to raise children, right? How to raise godly kids in a broken world. Obviously, we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about like the the importance of that. We don't need to spend a lot of time talking about like what are the the issues and what are the problems. I want you to turn in your Bible with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, we're going to be in several different passages today, but this is our anchor passage. This is kind of the one that that really we will, you know, kind of get some some great uh, information from, some great guidance from, so you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter six. We'll be there in a few moments. But what we're gonna do today is we're gonna kind of post some questions. Some questions that you have actually sent in to me, and we're going to hopefully answer those questions, not just simply by my opinion or my thoughts, but rather, what does God's Word say about these issues? What does God's Word say about these things? Now, obviously, raising godly kids in a broken world, the natural thing that many of us do, that we we think that we should do, is to to have this idea in our lives as we raise our kids is that we somehow that we protect our kids like that, that we put a bubble around them so the first question is this, like should i isolate my child from the world and you can see our graphics people have done a really cool thing up here so we're actually texting back and forth right now okay so, so should i isolate my child from the world now let's go back to scripture and let's find like hey what's the answer to that because honestly in a world that's gone mad, let's be honest, it does sound appealing to try to keep our kids away from that stuff in the world, right? To keep our kids away from the junk that's out there, to protect them, to put our arms around them, and to lock them up. But let's be honest, if you're really going to isolate your kids from the world, you actually would have to lock them up. And by the way, and they will put you in jail for that. So we we don't want to walk down that narrative. So let's just answer the question. Should I isolate my child from the world? The first answer is just simply this. No, isolation can leave your child afraid of the world. And that's not what we want. The scripture tells us, and we go back to the Sermon on the Mount. We were there just a few weeks ago as we walked through that passage. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and following, it says this. You, Jesus speaking, by the way, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I want to leave that passage on the screen. Go back up to verse 14, if you would, guys, where it says very clearly Jesus makes a declaration here. He doesn't say, hey, you might be. He doesn't say, hey, there's a possibility that you are. he says, This, you are a light in the world. You're the light of the world. It's not an option. It's not a, you know, a a maybe. It's not like if you're prepared for it, not if like, hey, if you learn a lot or if you go to seminary, you're the light of the world. No, this is a declaration that Jesus makes to every follower of Jesus Christ that we have a responsibility to be light in the world. Now, what's the natural thing that we can pull out of that idea? Well, just simply this. We know the world is a dark place. Do you agree with me on that? I mean, we've been paying attention, you know, read the news, see what's happening. The world is a dark place. Place Jesus' intention for each and every one of us is that we would be a light in that world. Now we go on into this passage. We go down to verse 15. It says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Now, understand, if Jesus said you are supposed to be a light in a dark place, he then goes on to say, and you do not have the privilege, you do not have the opportunity, you do not have the right to take that light And cover it up. And the idea of covering it up is the idea of isolating our kids from the world. We have a responsibility to train our children up correctly. Go to the book of Proverbs. And we don't even have time to go through all the passages in Proverbs that tell us to make sure we're training the children in the right way. Making sure that discipline is a part of the journey. All of those things. But ultimately what we must recognize is that we are preparing our kids to be in the world, not out of the world. We're preparing our kids to know how to live in this place that we call home. And so we go on in that passage, verse 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. And back in verse 15, he ends that verse with it it gives light for all who are in the house. Now, I want you to just kind of keep that in the back of your mind for a moment, because the second answer that we have to this question, should I isolate my child from the world, is this, it can leave your child unprepared to face the world. Now, let me just tell you something. What is one thing that you can guarantee when you have children that they're going to do? Can somebody tell me what's one thing you can guarantee your child, every child will do? Okay, that's that. So are your kids here? I'm just saying. Now that, that, that's a great answer, but that's wrong. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's not wrong. It's just not the one I'm looking for. Okay. What's one thing you can guarantee your children will do? Okay, you people are on the wrong track. You guys are this is a this is a very like a pessimistic audience here that no here's the answer they're going to grow up. <laughs> ah, yeah, there you go. They're going to get older. I would love to keep our kids like that perfect. My, my granddaughter, Olivia, we kept her Friday night. I, I want my son and daughter-in-law to go out of town all the time. This is I love babysitting my, my granddaughter. And she is so much fun. Yesterday morning, I woke up. And when I woke up yesterday morning, she was sitting on my chest eating cheese, shredded cheese. That's how I woke up on Saturday morning on my, well, almost my day off. I had two funerals, but still, I'm sitting there, and she's sitting on my chest eating shredded cheese. Now, what does shredded cheese always do? It gets everywhere. Last night, I went to bed. I had to clean the cheese out of my bed last night when I went to bed, but it, I would love, she's two and a half years old. Man, she is amazing. I'd love to keep her at that age. Here's one thing I know. She's going to grow up. And here's what we must recognize that our kids, when they grow up, when they grow up, they're going to grow up and they're going to live in this world. They're going to live in a world that's broken. They're going to live in a world that is dark. They're going to live in a world that's desperate. They're going to live in a world that's off the rails. They're going to live in a world that is getting worse and worse. Second Timothy chapter 4 clearly tells us that in the last days, things are going to get worse. They're going to live in that world. And you as a parent, we as the body of Christ, we have a responsibility and a duty to make sure that our kids are prepared to face that world. When you isolate your kids, they will not be prepared. When you isolate your children and they walk out into that world as an adult, they're not gonna have a clue what to do. And they're either gonna do one of two things. Number one, they're gonna run for the hills and hide. Or number two, they're going to fall into the traps of the world. And so clearly, go back to that passage. Jesus said, you're to be a light in the world and you're gonna be a light to all who are in that place, all who are in the house. In other words, we're gonna be a light to the darkness. And so we let our light shine before others. So this third answer to this question, should I isolate my child from the world is this, is it can keep your child from being what God intended them to be. Now, let me ask this question. I think we're back on the track now where you'll get this. Like, what is it that God has called every one of us to be and God has called your children to be? What has God called us to be? light. God has called us to go into the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all the nations, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That is our responsibility, is to bring Christ to the world, right? And so if we isolate our kids and we don't prepare them to face a world that is running from God, then they will not be able to fulfill their God-given responsibility, their God-given call to be a light in this world and to preach the gospel in this world. So should we isolate our kids? No. But if we don't isolate our kids, then how do we make sure that they don't fall victim to all of the the dangers that are out there? Well, let's go to the second question. Second question. Should I be the parent who is large and in charge? Large and in charge. You know what we're talking about here, right? That's the kind of parent who is overbearing. Like the kind of parent who dictates everything that their kid does. You're gonna get up at a certain time and you're gonna wear a certain kind of clothes, go back to your room and change. You know, you can't let your hair get over your ears if you're a boy, because that just doesn't look right. You know, you're not gonna wear that skirt, it's too short. All these things, like overbearing, like constantly, you're gonna show up here when I tell you to, and, and when you do something wrong, you know, you're gonna you're gonna face the, the punishment here. Like that kind of parent. Should I be large and in charge? Because honestly when you think about it if we're constantly making sure that our kids don't make right uh, wrong decisions then then certainly the kids are going to have to do the right thing right so should we be that kind of a parent well let's go to the answer first answer is this no modeling godly behavior is far better than forcing godly behavior because what does forcing godly behavior naturally result in And by the way, we heard it right over here the first year, You were wrong before. You're going to be right now. What's the answer? It leads to rebellion. It leads to a child who has been beat on so often. Now, I don't mean physically, but but verbally. like, Like, you're going to do this, and you're not going to do that, and you're going to do it this way. You're going to do it my way or the highway. You know, you're under my roof, and I pay the bills. You're going to do it this way. It naturally leads to a rebellious spirit where they're going to run modeling godly behavior is far better than forcing godly behavior let's go back to that deuteronomy chapter 6 passage our anchor passage for today and let's go to verse 4 it says listen israel and i want to pause right there obviously this is god speaking to the nation of israel But unlike some preachers in our world today, I believe the Old Testament has value in this world and in the New Testament age. And I believe that God, what he spoke in the Old Testament, he didn't change his mind, right? And so when he told Israel, this is what you're going to do, I believe he also tells us the exact same thing. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, he says these words, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Do you know why I know that God has not changed his mind? Because what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 22 was the most important thing that we must follow and do. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And so Jesus echoed what's here in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Jesus made it clear. You've got to love God with all of your heart. And so the idea here is that we, as the body of Christ, we as parents of young people, grandparents of young people, children who one day will have their own children, we must model godly behavior. And I can tell you clearly that when you model godly behavior for your kids, you have a far higher likelihood that your children one day will walk in the same path than if you beat them over the head with all of this spiritual, biblical stuff, right? So we gotta make sure we model godly behavior. Let them see it in you. The second answer to this question, should I be the parent who is large and in charge? Your children will embrace godly living when they see it in a genuine and authentic form. In other words, if you're a hypocrite, guess what I can guarantee your kids are gonna do? I can guarantee your kids will either, number one, be a hypocrite, or number two, rebel. The one thing they will not do is they will not end up walking with Christ. And so we recognize and understand. Go back to verse 7 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says this, God said, listen, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let this be in your heart. Verse 7, repeat these to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Now, what does that mean? That means this. In everything that you do, morning to night, home and out, what are we doing? We're modeling godly behavior. We're showing what it means to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength in every situation and in every place. That means this that it is more important for you to model godly behavior when you are not sitting in the church building. Because I can tell you, everyone in this room, everyone in this room right now for this hour, from 9.15 to about 10.20, I'm giving you preparation, to about 10.20, every single one of you are experts in modeling godly behavior in this room. I don't see a person in here uh, drinking a, a can of beer right now. I don't see anybody doing that right now. I don't see anybody here lighting up, you know, uh, uh, you know a cigarette or, or, you know, marijuana. I, no one's doing that, right? I don't see anyone in, in this room right now cussing somebody out because you didn't like the way that they treated you when you walked in today. I don't hear anybody cuss. <laughs> don't. <laughs> I mean, it's like common sense when you walk into this room. Like, you're going to do it right. You're going to model godly behavior here. Hey, it's more important than you model godly behavior when you're out there. Far more important because your kids expect you to act right here. You've got to make sure that your kids also expect you to act right when you're sitting in a restaurant and the person hasn't brought you the right food. It's also important that you, your kids have the opportunity of seeing you act right when someone out there, you know, cuts you off in the the highway and, and almost makes you run off the side of the road. It's important that your kids see you model godly behavior there. And so we have to understand that that's what kids are looking for, that's what young people are looking for, is genuine and authentic faith. And if they do not see genuine and authentic faith in you, then I can guarantee you that a genuine and an authentic faith in them is highly unlikely. Third answer to this question, should I be the parent who's large and in charge? Genuine godly living is always filled with Grace. And a parent who's large in charge, a parent who is overbearing, a parent who's constantly beating their kids over their head, is not a parent who's full of grace. Now we go back to scriptures in Colossians chapter four, verse five and six. It says, "Act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time." And then listen to what it says in verse five, uh, verse six: "Let your speech always be gracious." Let me ask you a question. It says here in verse 5 that we're to do that for outsiders. Here's an important question. Do you think that Jesus expects us as followers of Christ to treat the people in our own home with the same kind of grace that he just told us we better treat outsiders with? Do you think Jesus has a double standard? Hey, make sure you speak to the outsiders with grace, but when you get home, man, beat them up. Do you think that's what Jesus has in mind no, what I would say is I would say Jesus has actually higher expectations for those who are in your own household. The Bible says you're worse than an infidel when you don't provide for your own house and so we recognize and understand like that is what godly living does godly living is always seasoned with it is filled with grace and parents who are overbearing and constantly beating their kids up over every little mistake and and making them feel like they are less than and making them feel like they're losers making them feel like they they have no hope and no future whatsoever that is not the life of grace and it is a light that will push your child away from god not draw him to god And so we understand that we have a duty, we have a responsibility to live that out. Now, third question. Should then I make sure that my kids look the part so this is not the parent who's large and in charge. This is the parent who's making sure that they get their kids to Awana every time that doors are open. They get their kids to church every time the doors are open. Making sure that they're memorizing every scripture that's there. Making sure that, that, that they're always, you know, dressed the right way. Making sure that their hair is always combed the right way. Making sure that they're always in a place. Making sure that when they're standing in church, it's like, man, hey, raise your hand when they're singing because that looks good, you know. Make sure you carry a Bible and make sure people see it, right? And so this may not be the parent who's large and in charge. But this is the parent who's more focused on and more impressed in putting it on a show for others rather than doing what's right for God. Now, all of those things are not bad. But if we do it with the wrong motivation, then what actually is a good thing can then turn and be a completely bad thing. So again, we go back to the scriptures. What are the answers? Should uh, should I make sure my kids look the part? First one is this. Authenticity in our faith is far better than putting on a good show. We go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. Let's look what it says. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. Now, everything that I just read, the passage is there. All the things that put in a sign on your hand. Let them be a symbol in your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. All of those point to one thought. And what's the thought? That's the thought that that all of these things are going to be seen by others, right? If it's on the doorpost of your house, people are going to see it. If it's on the, the gates of the city, people are going to see it. If you're walking around with it on your forehead, people are going to see it. If you're walking around with it wrapped around your hand, they're going to see it. You go to Jerusalem today, In Israel, a lot of the Orthodox uh, Jews that are out there today, like they take this passage very seriously and several times a day, they pray. And when they pray, they actually put a a phylactery onto their head. They wrap it around their head and it's right there. It's the the scroll of the word of God. And and then they wrap the binding, they bind their arms up with cords. They wrap around and they pray according to this passage and they do that. So others can see that they are faithful. Others can see that they are, that they're dutiful in following the word of God. So he's not necessarily like that, you know, walk around with, you know, a Bible taped to your head. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is the things that I told you in the verses before, God's saying, and that's what's this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Make sure that it's in your heart. Repeat them to your children when you get up and when you go to bed and when you do everything else during the day, when you walk along the way, like these are what is important to you. Make sure you're living that out. And then this passage... Put them as a sign on your head, on your hand. Put them, uh, a symbol in your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on the gates of your city. In other words, make sure that's what people see. Not looking good, but loving God. Making sure that what is inside of your heart is what people see. You're not putting on a show. It's just authentic. And that's what God expects from each and every one of us. Second answer to this question, should I make my kids look the part? teaching your children that trying to make others think they've got it all together can actually push them away from their faith rather than draw them to it. Because what you're doing when you're constantly making sure that your kids look the part and tell them you better look right, you want to make sure people see you this way, is what you're doing is you're doing a really good job of growing hypocrites. And that's not what we want. We don't want to raise hypocrites. We want to raise kids who love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and because they love the Lord their God with all their heart, then the outward appearance is real, not faked. Got it? Understand, right? And so now the third answer, third answer is this. Teaching your child, children the value of living right is more important than looking right. Like making sure that our kids understand, like walking with Christ, living for Christ is far more important than the world might think of you. In fact, we live in a culture today when living for Christ, the world's not going to look favorably upon us many times. In fact, the more devout you are in following Christ and walking with Christ and living for Him, like the world is going to ostracize you more. But that's okay. Because I would far more want to follow the commands of God than to follow the whims of man. Because one thing I know about the whims of man is they change daily. You know, when we have to, you know, put our finger up in the wind to see which way the wind is blowing and try to figure out how we're going to act that day. Man, that's just too much work. Like, it's just too difficult. It's too hard. Like, why in the world would you want to waste all that time? Live for Christ, period. And live for Him in an authentic way. And that's what really makes a difference. That's what what makes an important statement. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Rather, train yourself in godliness... For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way. Paul writing to Timothy, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Godliness is beneficial in everything. Want to have a successful life? Godly living. Want to be successful at your job? Godly living. Want to have a great marriage? Godly living. Want to raise your kids right? Godly living like in every answer to every question do I want to be this it all points back to godly living that's the answer and that's the hope that we have now here's question four question four is this what do I do if my child is already running from their faith what do I do if I have that prodigal child that is running from God has already walked away from God, whether whether because of maybe you did something wrong or whether they just the choices they made. And I recognize there are people in this room that have done everything right and your child still runs away from God. And it doesn't make sense and it breaks our hearts. It's like, why God? How could that happen? Because I've done everything according to your word. Well, we live in a world of free will. We live in a world where there's choice. We live in a world where you can choose to do the right thing or you can choose to do the wrong thing. And of Apparently, according to this group right over here, what kids are always going to do is they're always going to do the wrong thing. We heard that earlier today. <laughs> I mean, we live in a world today where people are going to make the wrong decisions. So what do I do if my child is already running from their faith? Answer number one, pray. Pray. I mean, that's like no-brainer, but Pray. I've actually talked with parents before who've been concerned about and brokenhearted over their child's run from God. And they're like, what do I do? What do I do? And I said, well, you know, have you been really praying for them? Well, well yeah, but, but what do I do? But like, no, 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 no. That's what, where what I do starts is with prayer. We go back to scripture. In James chapter five, verse 16. It says, therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another so that you may be healed. Listen to this. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Now that statement is very powerful. It's the Greek word energao, which we get the word energy from. Like it has real power. Prayer is powerful, and I don't mean like, hey, when you're praying over your meal, throw your prodigal in there. Like God, thank me, thank you for this hot dog. It's awesome. But I can bring my son back. Oh, and thank you for this dessert. Like I'm not saying that. Like, like, make it a powerful, fervent, effectual prayer. Like you are leaning into. I am praying for my son, and pray continually. Praying for my daughter, praying continually because it makes a difference. Second question, or second answer. What do I do if my child is running from God already? Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Your child can never do anything. I don't care how bad, they can never do anything that should cause you to come to the place where you say, I'm done with them. Ever, never give up. Go back to scripture. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse seven, the first part of it, repeat them to your children. And the operative word there, the key word there is repeat over and over and over again. Your child is running from God. Repeat the things of God to your children. They're running far, they're a prodigal, they've been gone for years. Repeat them to your children. Not in an obnoxious pain way. Not like the guy, like where they won't take your phone call. It's like live it out, be a model, be an example. But then in every opportunity you have, like make sure you point them back to what the importance of walking with Christ is all about. Never, never give up. Keep pursuing your child. You had no problem, guys, pursuing that woman that you married when you were not dating yet. You had no problem pursuing them. And man, you were after her. You were you would do whatever it took to find her and get her and and, and to bring her in and to get her to agree to go out with you and get her to agree to to marry you. You pursued, some of you girls pursued too, but I get it, pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. Let me just tell you something. If your child is away from God, that ought to be your greatest pursuit outside of your own pursuit of God, is pursuing your child. Third thing, third answer, never stop loving them. Never stop loving them. I don't care what they do. I don't care how far away they've gotten. I don't care if they have told you that they don't love you and they don't want you around. They don't want to talk to you. They don't care about you. I don't care about any of that. You love them anyway. Even if for a season you have to love them from afar. Even for a season if you have to do it where they won't even talk to you. Never stop loving your children. We go back to scripture. Colossians chapter 3:21, it says this: Fathers, and this is, you know, goes to mothers as well. Fathers, mothers, family, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Now, that word exasperate is the word, the Greek word, that literally kind of conveys the idea of frustrate or push away or, or, or kind of, you know, lean them away from what's important. Like, like don't do that. Don't discourage your children. Like, continue to love them no matter what. What? Because your greatest responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ, outside of your relationship with God first and your spouse, is your relationship to your children. It's more important than your relationship to the church, it's more important than your relationship to your work, it's more important than your relationship to your friends, it's more important than your relationship to the golf course. It's more important than your relationship to anything else is your relationship to your children outside of God and your spouse. And if that's true, and it is according to God's word, then you better make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure you are always loving them and that they know it. Even if it's by writing a card, sending them a note. If my kids were away from me, if my kids were away from God and they wouldn't talk to me, let me just tell you something. I would send them a handwritten note every single day of their lives, tell them how much I love them. Not tell them how wrong they are. Not tell them all the mistakes they've made. Not tell them what they do must do to get things right and get things turned around. No, no, no. I would simply send them a note, a message, a text every single day. Man, I just want you to know I love you. I love you so much. Oh, I love you. I would do that every day of my life, why? Because it's that important. So quick four things, and they're not gonna be on the screen, mainly because I just came up with them, and, and, and these guys are good up there, but they're not that good, I promise, okay? So these are four quick words that I just want you to kind of walk away from today, okay? Or not walk away from, walk away with, that's better. Walk away with that we must do, how to raise godly kids in a broken world. Number one is we have to model, like be that example. We talked about it. Like make that, I'm going to model Christ-like behavior. I'm going to model it every day. I'm going to model it. They're going to see authenticity in my walk with Christ. Number two, partner. Make sure that you recognize that your relationship with Christ, your kids are not outside of that relationship. Bring them into the relationship. Do it together. Study God's word together. Pray together. Serve together. Go to church together. Like partner with them. Number three, pray Never stop praying, never stop praying, never stop praying. Pray with them, pray for them. Every single day of my life, I pray for my kids. I pray for all the specific needs that, they, that I know that they have. I pray for specific needs that they don't even know that they have, that I know, that I see. And parents, we're good at that, aren't we? I, I, every day, I'm praying for my kids, right? Fourth, do. Be proactive in training your children in the right way. The book of Proverbs, again, over and over again, train up your children in the right way. Train up your children in the right way. And that doesn't stop when they turn 18. My kids are 27, 26, and now 23. And they will tell you, I'm still teaching them. And I will teach them to the day I die. And even after I'm dead, the scripture even leans that, though he is dead, he speaks. My dad's still teaching me. He's been in heaven now for all these years. And he still teaches me every day. I remember back things that he said, things that he did, way he acted, way he treated other people. And he still teaches me today. You never stop teaching and training your children to follow after Christ. It's that important. Make sure you get it right. Let's pray. God, thank you for the way your word speaks to us in a practical sense. God, we thank you for it. God, I just pray that we would be able to make the connection between the practical teaching and the practical acting. God, that we would actually take what we hear and see from you, and that we would actually do it. And so, God, I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that we would recognize and understand the value and the importance of living this out. God, give us the wisdom, give us the guidance, give us the strength, give us the courage at times. Give us the desire to do this right. And God, will give you the praise for it. Well, bound with our heads bowed with our eyes closed. Uh, today, our invitation is going to be a little bit different. So... Our team is going to be here at the front as they always are. And in a moment, we're going to dismiss and, and our team's going to be here and the altar's going to be here. If you want to come and pray, please do. If you want to come and talk with one of our team members, please do. If you want to come and meet Christ today, which is the basis of everything that we've talked about today, man, we'd love to share Christ with you that He died on the cross for you. All the sins you've committed, He died for those sins. You can never do anything that takes you outside of the love of God, Romans chapter 8. And so today, if you want to meet Christ, he rose again the third day so that we could have life and salvation in his name. Our team would love to talk with you about that. If you want to come and join our church, you want to come for baptism, man, we'd love to talk with you. Love, love, love to talk with you and help you in this journey. And so I'm going to pray. And when I pray, the altar's open. You're dismissed. If you are leaving, you can leave. But if you want to make your way to the front, our team is here. We would love to talk with you about what it means to live according to God's word. And so let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that it will go with us today. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here right now in this room that has never accepted you as Lord and Savior, this will be the moment they make that decision and God would give you the praise in advance. God, I pray for the parents who have been doing things wrong that they would change. I pray for the parents who are doing things right that they would continue. I pray for those who are not parents yet that they would start on the right track. God, I pray for every person in this room that we would recognize our responsibility to be good examples of walking with Christ. And God, for that, we give you the praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar's open. Come forward if you need. God bless you and have a great day. Come back tonight for the concert tonight. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, We're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.